Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community deeply committed to love, justice, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's so good to see each and every one of you. And, um, and for those of you online, it's good to perceive seeing you, and it's good to be seen. I am Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout, uh, Director of Worship Arts Ministries here at First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. And that name comes alive because we have gathered once again one more day. I'm joined in leading worship by uh, uh, Reverend Ashley is here, and Catherine is here, and M is here, and Vivian is here, and John and Olu are here, and there are ushers and greeters and artists of all kinds. There's an entire room of folks right around you creating worship in this moment of community. Why? Because when we sing together, It's different than when we sing alone, even though that's powerful too. When we hold silence together, it's different than when we are quiet alone. When you sing along with me, and you join your voice and your voice and your voice and yours and yours, when you dare to sing and dare to dance and dare to clap, we form something called our voice. One voice out of many. And what that does is it teaches us, it reminds us what our voice can sound like together. And it's always more beautiful. It's always, it can always sing longer than any one of us can sing. It can always hold a note even longer and even stronger. What does that matter? Well, it matters because when a group of people know their voice and they know the strength of their voice, then they can take that voice and speak for good and love and freedom and justice. So when we go out into the world, if our voice is strong here, then what we have to say gets heard out there. It does matter then that you sing. It does matter then that you join your voice when we say, you are not alone, we are holding it together. Because we will remember that in a couple days. And the world will remember it when our voice is strong and gathered together. So, for the work of love, for the work of freedom, for the work of justice, for good things everywhere, let our voice be gathered. Let this community be strong and stronger for the practice of community. Amen. Amen. We begin our time together. We start with singing, of course. But there's a ritual that we uh, use in the very beginning of our services, a lighting of the chalice cup with the flame, symbol of Unitarian Universalists. Unitarian Universalists are doing this all over the world and across time. Vivian, would you help? And as Vivian is lighting the chalice, I think I forgot to light the light that lights the chalice. So I'm going to light the light that lights the chalice so that you can light the chalice. There you are. And I invite you to say the words that we use to call ourselves back together. The important word at the beginning is love. Will you say it with me? Love. 
is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Emberly Herman Johnson. I use she, her pronouns. I go by M, and I'm one of your worship associates for the year. It is my uh, very uh, excited pleasure to be able to lead us this morning in the All Ages Story Time. We are going to be acting out the story, The Three Questions by John J. Muth, which is an adaptation of a story by Leo Tolstoy. So I'm going to need some volunteers this morning. Now, before you get too excited and raise your hands, remember the lesson that Allison taught us a few weeks ago about finding out what you're going to volunteer for before you volunteer. Mm -hmm. But I see you seventh graders. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna have three helpers that are gonna have multiple lines. So if you're interested in that, maybe start heading down. I'm gonna have one helper who has one line but has some movement, and then one helper who is going to hold a prop, and that person will have no lines. So the first character is a monkey, and the monkey's name is Gogol. Already coming down. Yes, yep. I, we got some good we readers got, here. Okay. We did casting. So you're going to come up and sit here with, the, with your character. Next, we have a bird named Sonia. Here's Sonia. Okay. Oh, we have lots. I think we might have enough here. Okay. So we have Sonia. We may have a multi-voice. Yes, we might have a, a few extra. So Pushkin the dog is here. Pushkin has quite a few lines, so we need a pretty strong reader for the, for the dog. I can, help. I can help. Yeah, okay. All right. Mama Panda is going to be sitting right over here. So one of you want to go accompany Mama okay. Panda over in the choir loft? So let's go. Let's. Thank you. And then finally, we have a we have baby panda. Maybe the uh, rest of you, you want to maybe go hang too. out yeah. near baby panda. And oh well, Pushkin oh, the dog's going to need to sit in this do, chair here. We're do, uh, so we're going to move this here. little group so down, down over here near baby panda. And we have some sound effects that you're going to help with. So yes, why don't you pop over here near baby panda, oh. and then you can help with some, or with the mama panda, you can help with some sound effects. Someone in this area, I need to hold baby panda. Perfect. Okay, Glenn Thomas is going to help coach the rest of you with some sound effects, and I'm going to prep these characters. So at some point during the story, there's going to be a wind that blows through, and the wind sounds like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was even more howling of a wind. What would it sound? I like it. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. Cool. And that wind is part of a storm. So there was thunder as well. There was thunder. And during the thunder, there was even rain going at the same time. And there was, yes, yes. And some people were the thunder, yes. And there was wind during the storm. Yes. Yes, and it goes on and on. But at a certain point, day breaks and the sun comes out and we hear the birds. Ah! Right? 
Yeah. Yes. 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 You have to wonder what what country this story is set in. All the all the birds. Birds are much louder than the nine o'clock birds. They are. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're more caffeinated birds. Yes, I guess so. Yes. yes. Okay, so when we get to those uh, points, I will be here and obvious, and I need you to join me for the storm and for the birds and the wind. Ready to go? All right, let's begin. There was once a boy named Nikolai who sometimes felt uncertain about the right way to act. I want to be a good person, he told his friends. But I don't always know the best way to do that. Nikolai's friends understood and wanted to help him. If only I could find the answers to my three questions, then I would always know what to do. Please read with me. When is the best time to do things? Who is the most important one? And what is the right thing to do? Nikolai's friends considered the three questions. Then Sonia, the heron, spoke. To know the best time to do things, one must plan in advance, she said. Gogol, the monkey, who had been rooting through some leaves to find something good to eat, said. You will know when to do things if you watch and pay close attention. Then Pushkin, the dog, who was just dozing off, rolled over and said, Oh, you can't pay attention to everything yourself. You need a park to, sorry, a pack to keep watch and help you decide when to do things. For example, Gogol, a coconut, is about to fall on your head. (laughs) (laughs) Nikolai thought for a moment. Then he asked his second question. Who is the most important one? Sonia said. Those who are closest to heaven. Stroking his bruised noggin, Gogol said. Those who know how to heal the sick. And then Pushkin growled. Grr. Those who make the rules. Nikolai thought some more. Then he asked the third question. What is the right thing to do? Sonia said. Flying. Gogol laughed. Having uh, having fun all the time. And Pushkin barked. Rough. Fighting. Rough. (laughs) Rough. Fighting rough, yes. Then Nikolai thought for a long while. He loved his friends. He knew they were all trying their best to help him answer his questions. But their answers didn't seem quite right. Then an idea came to him. I know, he thought. I'll ask Leo the turtle. He's lived for a very long time. Surely he will know the answers I'm looking for. So Nikolai hiked high up into the mountains where the old turtle lived alone. (laughs) When Nikolai arrived, He found Leo digging in the garden. The turtle was old, and digging was hard for him. I have three questions, and I came to ask for your help, he said. When is the best time to do things? Who is the most important one? 
and what is the right thing to do? Leo listened carefully, but he only smiled. Then he went on with his digging. You must be tired, Nikolai said. Let me help you. The old turtle gave him his shovel and thanked him. And because it was easier for a young boy to dig than it was for an old turtle, Nikolai kept digging until the rows were finished. But just as he finished, the wind blew wildly and rain burst from darkened clouds. And together, they moved toward the cottage for shelter. And then Nikolai suddenly heard a cry for help. Running down the path, he found a panda whose leg had been injured by a fallen tree. <gasps> Carefully, Nikolai carried her into Leo's house and they made a splint for her leg with a stick of bamboo. But the storm raged on. Banging at the doors and windows, the panda woke up. Uh, where am I and where are my children, she said. Yes, where is my child, she said. So the boy ran out of the cottage and down the path and he was, the roar of the storm was deafening. Rushing against the howling wind and drenching rain, he ran farther into the forest. And there he found the panda's child, cold and shivering on the ground. Thank you. Want to bring it up with me? The little panda was wet and scared but alive. And Nikolai carried her inside and made her warm and dry and laid her in her mother's arms. Leo smiled when he saw what Nikolai had done. The next morning, the sun was warm. The birds sang. <laughs> All was well with the world. The panda's leg was healing nicely, and she thanked Nikolai for saving her and her baby from the storm. And then Sonia and Gogol and Pushkin arrived, to make sure everyone was all right. Nikolai felt at great peace with himself. He had wonderful friends. He had saved the panda. But he also felt disappointed. He still had not found the answer to his three questions. So he asked Leo one more time. The old turtle looked at the boy. But your questions have been answered. He said. They have? asked the boy. Yesterday, if you had not stayed to help me dig my garden, you wouldn't have heard the panda's cries for help in the storm. Therefore, the most important time was the time you spent digging the garden. The most important one at that moment was me, and the most important job was that was to help me with my garden. Later, when you found the injured panda, the most important time was the time you spent mending her leg and saving her child. And the most important ones were the panda and her baby. And the most important thing to do was to take care of them and make them safe. Remember then that there is only one important time 
and that time is now. The most important one is always the one you are with. And the most important thing to do is good for the one standing at your side. For these, my dear child, are the answers to what is most important in the world. This is why we are here. The end. Land. Come and go with me to that land where I'm born. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land. Come and go with me to that land where I'm born. There'll be freedom, there'll be freedom in that land. There'll be freedom in that land. There'll be freedom in that land where I'm born. There'll be freedom in that land. There'll be freedom in that land. There'll be freedom in that land where I'm born. Come and go with me to that land. Come go with me to that land.
wondrous love this is. Moving from numbness to presence is what Francis Weller calls soul activism, a form of deep resistance to the disconnected way in which our society has conditioned us to live. I see it as the kind of justice work that starts by creating the kind of peace we want to see everywhere, right here, right here. When we close our eyes, we invite our soul to drop into our inner world. And when we keep our eyes open, we give our soul the chance to see the existence of souls surrounding us. Your invitation is to decide what kind of prayers you need today, the eyes closed kind or the eyes wide open kind. And peeking is allowed. A sign of healing in a body is when the pain area no longer is spread out, it's gathered in a focused place or even moved towards the center of the body. My chiropractor has taught me this is called centralization and localization. We move with our pain instead of against it when we centralize our gathered body around what hurts. We give permission to the anesthetic of disconnection to wear off 
when we remember there are joys too. And when we let those joys be known and shared and gathered around and grown. So we're gonna open our circle together to share our joys and our sorrows as one, as a centralized and localized body. But let us hold this presence in saying aloud our griefs and pains so that we can feel the widest range of experience and that it can be safe and good and beautiful and that it is not an indulgence to name joy because it is the exact medicine of our liberation, our soul activism. And when we do this, let us say together, you are not alone. We are holding it together with whatever inflection of voice fits for you, whether that's feeling fortified to hold for another, we are holding it together. Or the feeling like you are at your threshold, we are holding it together. We are holding it together or we are holding it together. Both are welcome. The circle is open and I invite you to speak what your heart needs to be said aloud. the movement into community with space for love. We are hold alone. We are holding it together. Yeah. For next Benedict, we, you are not alone. We are holding it together. for disasters in California recently. You are not alone. We are holding it together. For the safety of all our children. You are not alone. We are holding it together. We do call to mind and heart next Benedict, who was a non-binary indigenous child of the Choctaw Nation in so-called Oklahoma, and we mourn that we have lost a future elder at the hands of violence perpetuated and permissed by legislation about bathroom use. We hold our own trans and non-binary loves here at First U and expand our prayers to, more, or to the more than 150 families who have chosen to move to Minnesota as queer refugees from states who have legislated out their sense of safety. Our prayers, we say to you, you are not alone. We are holding it together. And we also say to you that our bathrooms here were built with you in mind because we love you. And we also say to the parents of our queer and trans youth that we see you and we see you aching with sorrow and taking every measure possible to protect your kids. We see you, we hear you, we love you, and we want you to know you are not alone. We are holding it together. So from sickness and sorrow, let us say heal, heal. And for those seeking justice, let the people say rise. And for the leaders, let us say guide. guide. 
And for every mind and heart, in every moment, let our people say, open. And as we close this circle in this prayer moment, let us carry the spirit of our soul activism. This movement from numbness into presence through prayer is an always available practice for living our lives more intentionally. And so together, let us say, amen, amen, amen. Good morning. Now is the time when we make concrete and tangible the things we have just prayed. We make it real that we are not alone, that we are holding it together. We are holding this community together. We are holding each other together. This is the time of offering, the time of giving and receiving and growing together. And um, if you haven't caught wind yet, it's pledge season. There are packets for you in the entryway out there, and we would love for you to grab one if you haven't already. I've also been asked a number of times today, when are they due? And the answer is now. <laughs> um, we will be celebrating the um, gathering and return of the pledge packets on March 17th, but we will not be done until we have met our goal. So um, you can keep giving and we will stop talking sooner about all of this. <laughs> and in the meantime, I would like to invite Dave Lepic up to offer some words of wisdom about why he and his family offer their service their time and their financial resources to this community. I was just checking my calendar to see when March 17th is. It's St. Patrick's Day. So a great time to talk about green. <laughs> so, um, friends, I used to listen to public radio all the time. Timing my morning by the news segments, listening in the kitchen, in the car, 
it felt good to stay informed. Lately, I've been finding it harder to listen. Crisis on top of crisis on top of crisis. Unprecedented crises, not just according to pundits, but according to historians and scientists. But also crises manufactured by those who profit from chaos and despair. Fear mongers, dictators, would-be dictators. They see an opening and my exhaustion is no accident. They want their allies to believe only they can fix it and the forces of love to be distracted and overwhelmed. In our schools and on our border and Ukraine and the Middle East, messages that you don't really love unless you hate. I wish it were hard to find specific examples from this week's news. Next, Benedict Navalny, three first responders shot by a gun that shouldn't have been there. People struggling to control their embryos. Massive flooding in California. Mr. Rogers' mom said, look for the helpers. There are a lot of helpers. There are a lot of places where I can help. Most of them have two doors, one for the helpers and one for the people who need help. Friends, there are days when I don't know which door I need. I come to church and I can give, I can receive, and I can grow. My wife and I have raised two kids in this church. It isn't easy with kids with very different needs, both from each other and from what the world expects. This church didn't ask, how can we accommodate you? It asked, how can we learn from you? How can we grow together? Friends, we know the answer to, des to despair. We know it is not a quick answer but we know it starts by showing up, and showing up, and showing up. It starts by walking through that door, not knowing who you will be on the other side, or how you will be asked to show up the next time. Friends, I am asking you to show up with your bodies as you are able, and with your money as you are able. Give with love and give with joy as you are able. But show up. It takes all of us, and none of us is alone. Thank you. Let us receive our morning offering. I knew how it would feel 
In just a moment, I'm going to invite us to uh, thaw some of our emotional numbness by greeting one another, those other people who came into this same space as you this morning. I work as a substitute teacher, and this week in a preschool class, I learned a few new greetings, which I'll share with you. You could do spirit fingers. You could do an elbow hello. You could do the fist bump. And just a good morning and friendly smile always works. For those of us who are joining online, please feel free to give a greeting to the other people in the Zoom space with you. Please rise as you are able and greet those around you.
Today's reading is Go to the Limits of Your Longing by Rainier Marie Rilke. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. How do you remember that no feeling is final? How do you embody love and dance in its shadow? We each have to find our own way. One of my favorite things about being a minister is listening to your stories about how you have learned to do just that. On Friday afternoon, I got to sit down with our beloved elder, Dick Young, to hear his story. Since we met, Dick has been lovingly pestering me about sharing more of his practice of connection with love that he has done religiously for over 35 years, centering prayer. He and his now late wife, Carolyn, found it together in the depths of their despair over the loss of their son. He has told me many times that it saved his life and his marriage. Now, after losing his wife in the last year, he has leaned into divine presence with all his might again through centering prayer. It is a discipline of presence whose hand he takes daily for 20 minutes. Listen to him tell some of his story now, and then we'll take some baby steps together into his practice. That was the death of our son. That's right. Tell me about that. So, um, and that will explain what a little bit about centering prayer, because that's when we got into it. Yeah. So our son was killed in an accident. And... Uh, we were lost. And so what do you do? 
So we went to the therapist, we went to grief groups, we went to uh, our minister and our old church, it all helped, nothing worked. So Carolyn, my wife, went to her default was books. And she started to research and she ran across the book called Healing of the Life and Death by Stephen Levine. <clears throat> and she read it and she started to meditate. And I saw a shift in her. I grabbed that book and I read it. And then uh, it had in the back of it all kinds of various forms of meditation. So since we were Christians, we picked the Christian one called Centering Prayer, went and got trained to do Centering Prayer on a long weekend. And then by some miracle, we started to do it. And we sat in the chair with no expectation for three years. For 20 minutes, once in the morning. And then <clears throat> one day I got out of the chair. My gosh, it's, it's gone. It's gone. The pain is gone. So I turned and asked Carolyn. And that pain has a lot of facets to it because she got guilt and shame and woulda, coulda, shouldas and all of that. And um, so she went inside and her pain was about 95% gone. And with that, are you going to quit centering prayer? So now it's 35 years later on a daily basis. Totally transformed our lives and our marriage. How do you think it did that? Centering prayer is a mystical tradition. You don't have answers to centering prayer. You don't have, you don't try to think your way through it. It's a mystical experience. You have to honor the mystery and cherish what it gives you. <laughs> mm. What did it give you? Oh, love, peace, joy, compassion. The good stuff, huh? The good stuff. Will you tell us how to do it? Sure. So centering prayer is very simple. You have to set an intention first. Set an intention to surrender yourself to a higher power or some presence or God greater than yourself. And then sit in a chair, feet on the floor, hands on your lap, and take a few deep breaths. Set your intention to open to the presence of the higher power. And before <clears throat> nanoseconds go by, you'll start thinking. And this is where it gets into the tricky wicket. <laughs> because you're going to start thinking and your mind is going to be running and you may or may not catch yourself in a few minutes or a few seconds or not at all. 
But when you catch yourself, you say a sacred word. And the sacred word is not a God word per se. It's any word that resonates in your heart. And kind of the neatest story around that, I've taught this in treatment centers. And one was a new baby treatment center for women. And one of the women came up with the name of her child. Mm. And I thought that was so, so cool. <laughs> and that stuck with me. So you, you create a word that resonates in your heart. And then when you catch yourself thinking, you say that sacred word and you let it go. Well, this is where it varies from Buddhism. Buddhism, you concentrate on your breath. In this practice, you don't concentrate on anything except when you become aware of catching your mind running off. You say the sacred word and let it go. So back and forth for 20 minutes and you won't like it because it will make you anxious. <laughs> so you got to go through a little wall. Sounds like there's good stuff on the other side. Peace, love, joy, compassion. And love is no small word in this. What does it mean? Love is one of the hardest things we ever do. We have to give up our desire for power, for control, for esteem and affection and fear of being abandoned. Fear and abandonment are big issues with love. And for me, they were part of my journey. I had to work very hard with abandonment issues, trust, fear, and so on, so I could love. And it works. Carolyn told me so. <laughs> That's my wife. I love it, Dick. Thank you so much. We get to experiment now with a baby practice of centering prayer. Remember, Dick and his wife Carolyn did this for 20 minutes every day for three years before they felt that release of pain they so needed. So it's okay if nothing happens now in just a handful of minutes. This is a practice, not an event. But it's a practice in which every minute has the potential to grow our capacity to experience 
divine presence or love. So let's settle in. Let's offer our consent to presence, to love, to whatever it is that calls us beyond ourselves. And let us choose what Dick calls a sacred word. This is not a commitment for the long haul, just an experiment for today. I'm going to use the word joy today because I always need more of that. And it's one of my daughter's middle name. What word can snap you back to attention or beckon you gently back to this moment this morning? Don't think too hard, just go with your instincts. And if you're stuck, the word love is always a good place to start. So let's find a way to sit comfortably so you can feel yourself being held by the, by the pew or by your chair or by the ground. Let your belly soften as you breathe. And as you are comfortable, relax or close your eyes and peeking is still allowed. Just be in this silence together. When the inevitability of your to-do list, your anxieties, or that nagging song in your head comes prowling into your mind, just gently and silently say your sacred word to draw your attention back to the moment. Each time your thoughts get loud is an opportunity to return to your sacred grounding word. We will sit now for just three minutes to practice presence together.
Amen. And Jenny, you are not alone. We are holding it together. Our final words of blessing come from David Gate in memory of next Benedict. If God created the night and the day and the dawn, of course, and the dusk and the tangerine rose pink sunset and the infant bright of the morning and the deep amethyst twilight, than to perceive the world in binary is to forego knowledge of the divine. May we go forth this morning seeking the divine in all their presence and in ourselves. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. If you've been nourished by what you've heard, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org donate to make your gift. We are a faith community committed to dismantling oppression and building beloved community. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org dot o-r-g.